question. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. Amen. So, before we get started, we'll just do a quick kind of recap here. So, from Hebrews 1.1 up until 10.19 or 10.18, I should say, has all been leading up to the kind of this moment. It's Jesus is superior over angels. He's superior over Moses. There's a better covenant. The old covenant is passing away. There are shadows. And so we're, we're being told all these things. that, that We have a, 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 the great high priest. We have the final sacrifice. So we're leading up to all of this. And then in verse 19, the, the writer kind of pit, doesn't really pivot, but he's like, okay, now that you know all this, therefore, with all this information, what are you going to do with it now? And so the 23 to 25, or 22 to 25, it's kind of what to how to react positively to this information. Mm-hmm. Verses 26, which I'm not covering, but I think Todd is after me next week. He'll be going over how to react negatively to this information. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so as as we're looking at the, the superiority of Christ, um, I think verse 23 starts off. So let us draw near. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the notes I'm missing. Yes. Um, so let us draw near. So. You know, who who are we drawing near to? What's this drawing near to? Like, who who are we, you know, uh, approaching? It's it's God the Father. We're we're appro- we're drawing near to God. We're drawing near into the holy of holies. We're drawing near into this place that up until this new covenant, all Jews were told, do not go in this place. You will die if you go in this place. You don't belong in here. You are. Uh, you know, sinful. You are you are not uh, forgiven. You cannot approach God in this area. But now we're being told to draw near. Not only are we being told to draw near, but we're being told to draw near in confidence and boldly. And so, to the Jews, that that must be rocking their their mind. Where they're just like, you're, so before we couldn't go here, but now you're telling us, no, no, no. Not not only can just only one person come in. You're saying all of us should draw near, should come into this Holy of Holies and come boldly and with confidence, not with fear and trembling. And so, how can, how can we draw near to the Father? We can, do, we can do this with a true heart and full assurance because of the sacrifice <laughs> Jesus made. We, that is where we get our boldness and our confidence from, that we know that this sacrifice been made, has been made on our behalf that we have been completely forgiven, our hearts have been sprinkled with this blood, and we are now cleansed before a holy and righteous God, and we can come to Him in His throne room. Amen. Um, let's see. <coughs> okay. And in verse 23, does it mention, uh, it's like a, a newness, a new something. Let's see. Give me a little more, brother. Give us uh, come, it's like... Uh, uh, my memory's failing me. Let us hold fast. Uh, it's past that though. With a newness, or maybe it's verse twenty-two. Or no, I'm sorry. It's in either nineteen or twenty. I apologize. Nineteen or twenty. Yeah, new and living way. Yeah, a, a new and yeah, a new and living way. Um, I might be getting this wrong, so don't hold me to this. But I believe the Greek word here, talk in that when it talks about new, is pro. 
Prohabitas, and I'm sure I totally just butchered that because I'm going off memory, not my notes. But it's talking about a a fresh, new slain sacrifice. Mm. That that that's that's it's it's so funny when you look at you know Greek words and English that that word new doesn't do that any justice there at all. <laughs> but that's what it's referring to. It's this a, a new freshly slain sacrifice, mm-hmm. and that sacrifice is always freshly slain. It is never it's never old. It's never it never needs to be done again. It is freshly new every day, day in day out, minute by minute, all through eternity. It's a freshly slain slain sacrifice and that is how we come boldly with confidence into this throne room that's how we can let us draw near into this holy of holies because of this freshly slain uh, sacrifice that's perfect once and for all and done forever Um, okay so in verse 19 it says you know come with confidence in verse 22, it talks about having full assurance. You know, again, we're entering into this throne room because there's sort of three things within verses 23 or 22 to 25. It's basically faith, hope, and love. Those are the three things that we're going to be looking at in these verses. We come with faith, with confidence and boldness into the throne room. We have the hope of what has been done for us on behalf and the hope of what is yet to come. And so we cling to that. And then we also have the love, which we'll get into of encouraging one another and, and lifting one another up. But th- those are the three positive things we want to take a look at. How are we going to react to, you know, Hebrews 1, one up to 10.18? What are we going to do with all this information? And these three things are the three uh, kind of pillars that we should be focusing on with all this information that we've had. Um, so it talks about having our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. Now, it's not talking like our bodies washed with water. It's not talking about like a, an outer washing of water, like a like a like a baptism. It's more of an internal mm-hmm. washing of the water. Like in Ezekiel, God to- told the, uh, Israel about the new covenant, saying, "I will wash you with water. I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a new heart." And God is telling the the, the Israelites what the new what to expect with this new covenant as it's coming. And we we have now experienced this washing and the sprinkling of our heart. Now, the author is using this, this kind of imagery because he knows his audience. He knows they understand, you know, the sprinkling of the blood over the ark and the sprinkling of the, blood, of the sacrifices. And so the author is trying to show them, look, these gruesome, you know, sacrifices that you've been seeing in for thousands of years. Imagine this, this sacrifice that has been done on our behalf, sprinkling your heart, cleansing your heart, giving you that clear, that, that clear conscience where you can enter into the throne room of God boldly and with full assurance. John, can I say something? Sure. Um, in the Old Testament, only priests were allowed to go beyond the courtroom mm. section of the tabernacle. And before they went to the uh, inner room, not the holiest of all, but the holy place, where the three pieces of furniture were, um, they had to go by the labor of washing. Mm-hmm. And that was required for the priests to wash themselves before they could go to the altar of incense to worship. In the New Testament, we're all classified, praise the Lord, as a priesthood Amen. of all believers. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and we have access into the holiest. Mm. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. <laughs> and one more thing, along with kind of the boldness and the, and the fullness of assurance entering into this, this holy place of our faith with all this information, um, you know, we should come boldly with, with, uh, with all of our heart. 
we we don't come sort of half half heartedly. We don't come just out of out of habit. We we come with that full assurance, boldly into the throne room with all of our heart. And um, again, I'm going off memory, and I hope I remember this verse because it was it really jumped out at me. It's like oh, it's so cool. Uh, Deuteronomy. Someone can turn to Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 24, verse. Nine. I think it's twenty-four, verse nine. Deuteronomy twenty-four, verse nine. I think Bev's got that. Look at her. Yeah, let me see if it is. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. No, that's not it. Rats. What does it sound like? It was worth a shot. It, it was talking about uh, basically God. God was saying, you know, come to me with all of your heart. You know, people in the past haven't come with, with, to me with all of their heart, and I turned them away. And so, I just wanted to point out how God wants all of our heart. He wants us to come with all of our heart, not 90%, 99%. He wants us to come with that full assurance, full confidence, full faith, boldly coming, not doubting, not not having a little kind of inkling in the back of your mind like, ah, oh, maybe... Maybe God didn't really forgive all of all of my sins, or maybe God still isn't happy with me. Or we should just come boldly as this child, and, and with no fear and trembling, and just come into His throne room and and seek out His presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it, so our our heart being sprinkled and you know being clean, cleansed of our evil conscience and our Bodies washed with water. Um, I stumbled across, and again I'm going off memory, and I'm probably not going to come up with them, but I think it's. Titus 3, verse, maybe 12. Titus 3, verse 12, maybe. Um, it's, it talks about a regeneration of the washing of the word, like being regenerated through the washing of the word. Yeah. He states it's not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but by washing the regeneration through renewing the Holy Spirit, I think it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so there we're being washed, you know, through the word, we're being regenerated by this washing internally. So, with this sprinkling of the heart, the where you know where sort of a, the propitiation has taken place, but then we become renewed, we we become reborn through this regeneration, through this washing of the word. And I think there's a verse either in first or second Peter where Peter says the same thing, like being washed in the word. Mm-hmm. Pastor Gary probably knows that. I've heard him quote it a bunch of times, but. I can't recall the uh, chapter and verse, but um, Jesus said, "Now you are clean through the word spoken unto John fifteen three, mm-hmm. Ephesians five twenty five and six. Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water mm. by the word, that he may present it to himself mm. a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing." Can you say amen? Amen. <laughs> you know, and the, the, uh, sorry, I don't know, sorry, I forgot to give the ground rules too. If anyone raises their hand, I'm not calling on you. So <laughs> just shout out stuff, and that's fine. Jonathan, <laughs> uh, when you were talking about Deuteronomy, were you talking about six five, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart? No, no, it was, it was definitely twenty four. I just don't remember the verse. So I, I apologize for being a slacker. Brother, in the <laughs> exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the Word of Truth. Amen. amen. Um, oh, I skipped up back. Such were some of you, but now you are washed. Now you are sanctified. Now you are justified. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians six eleven. And I'm, I've got a little bit more here with kind of like the faith and full assurance and boldly. The, the New Testament wants us to know we can have this assurance. The, the New Testament wants us to know 
we can boldly come. The New Testament wants us to have that full assurance. The Apostle John wrote, I think it was in First John, these things I wrote to you so that you may know. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are to know that we can have this boldness, this confidence, this full assurance. So I think it's verse 20 in Hebrews 10, verse 24. It talks about our confession of our hope. So what would be this confession of our hope? Anyone have any ideas of what our what our hope is? Faithful. And to go back to 618, it says that by two unchangeable things in which it is possible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge Amen. might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind Amen. the curtain. So mm. it, is a, it is definitely a piggybacking of Christ, or my daughter would say a belly back. <laughs> Yeah, so our, our hope is that Christ saves, Christ forgives sinners, that Christ has made us new creatures and, and has cleansed us and washed us. And our, so our, when we're holding fast to this hope, it's not because that we are faithful, it's because He is faithful. That is how we hold on to our hope, because He is faithful to us. We are kept by God until the end, not because of us, but because of Christ's finishing work on the cross. Jesus said in John 6 that that the one the Father gives him, he will by no means cast him out. Mm-hmm. Peter says, He who comes to Christ cannot be snatched out of his hand, but is kept by the power of God. And so we, we cling on to this hope that we'll, we will be seen through to the end. We will persevere through the end, no matter what comes our way, troubles or you know things that uh, may... Mm-hmm. you know. Sh- not shake our faith, but just any negative things that come away that maybe make us lose hope. We're to just hang on even tighter, knowing that we'll persevere all the way through till the end. Um, so that's that's the hope that we're clinging to, uh, as we've learned again all these things through Hebrews one one all the way up until ten eighteen. We've seen all this hope we have, this better covenant, this this last great eternal high priest, this final sacrifice that no other sacrifices will ever be needed to assuage God, to, for the wrath of God has been appeased by this one final sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So we have all of this hope knowing that all of these things have been done for us. There's None of those things we did ourselves. None of those things we ever could have done ourselves. None of those things we did because uh, we're, we're good people or we deserve it or any of that. It's because God had decreed it from the beginning of time that he would send his son to die for people and forgive them of the sins and cleanse them and call them home. And so that's the hope that we have with this final sacrifice and with this great high priest and, and again, everything that's been set before us in these first ten chapters, ten and a half chapters. So now, as we, we look at faith, we look at hope, now we're looking at love. You know, the, the writer of Hebrews is turning to, to Christian fellowship. If we look at verse 24, mm-hmm. some, someone can read that. <clears throat> 
Mm. So, th- th- this is interesting because that made me think of how you know we we're e- it's easy for us to kind of point out the negative in, in others, like you know when it talks about don't worry about this speck in your brother's eye, but worry about the plank in yours. Like, Todd does that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, it's it's so easy to like just be like, oh, I can't believe he or she did that, or I can't believe he or she said that, or you know, <laughs> it, it's easy to kind of see the negative in others, but not in ourselves. But what we should be doing is the exact opposite in the assembly as we gather. Like the women had their their meeting yesterday. I'm sure it was an awesome time with like encouraging words to one another and lifting one another up. That's what we're supposed to do when we gather. We should be finding the, the positive thing mm-hmm. to pull out of someone instead of that mm-hmm. negative thing. Pulling them up and be like, oh, you know, it was awesome how you, you read that verse the other day. You know, you, you're a really amazing reader. Or just whatever tiny little thing it can be to encourage someone or to maybe point out a gift that someone has that maybe they don't realize they just maybe take it for granted and think, oh, that's not a gift. It just comes natural to me. It's not a big deal. Who cares? But we, we need to point those things out to one another, you know, and we need to just lift each other up and encourage one another, especially, like, just in the world that we live in, this fallen world, it's so easy to just turn on the news and see all this negative stuff, read, you know, headlines on, on various blogs, whatever, all this negative stuff, negative stuff everywhere you turn, everywhere you look. So we need to come together at least in this one gathering where it could be all just positive you know and and so that's why we need to come together and lift each other up encourage one another edify one another pray with one another and that's one of the reasons why God designed the church the way he did is because he knows we need to be like that he know, who else knows it better than God how we operate and how we work and our emotions and feelings and, and all those other things. He knows we need to be together with one another and encourage one another. He knows that we need to be with one another and see, oh, wow, that person struggles with whatever just like I do. I'm not alone. And so that way you don't feel isolated and you can talk and pray with one another. So it's it's uh, really important that we do gather, not, you know, not only every Sunday, but when we start organizing more gatherings with one another or calling one another on the phone. It's an interesting time that we live in because... Look at this church, for example, like people from all over travel to come here. I live like 20 minutes away. Other people live like an hour away, maybe even further away. And so we all come to this one place on Sundays. So it's a little bit uh, harder. I shouldn't say harder, but it's just a little more like it's just different to get together outside of church because we live so far away from one another. But thousands of years ago in, in the synagogues and the new churches, I mean, everyone lived where in the same city where their church was. So they probably met there on a daily basis. They just gathered there and met together with one another and prayed. And Or it's just easier to walk across town and talk with one another and, and just see how things are going, just to stay more connected. But the day that we, this day and age that we live in, it's, I guess we could stay more connected through you know, social media and stuff, but it's just, it's just not the same. You know, it's not the same as being in the same room with one another and meeting on a daily basis. But you know, I think that's a, that's a really important thing that um, you know, a lot of people can easily neglect. And, you know, there's, you know, probably people that are like, oh, there's no good churches in my area. So I just listen to, you know, John MacArthur or John Piper. That's that's my that's my pastor. But you're missing a whole lot if you're just on your own. There's no one around to encourage you. There's no one around to like really talk to or about your struggles or your your goals or things that you're excited about. And so that's why it's important to, uh, again, to meet with one another and to encourage each other, edify each other, love each other. And to, you know, just uh, build one another up. Jonathan, mm. what do you think are some of the things that sort of 
I mean, oftentimes Scripture gives us admonition and exhortation like this because we need it, right? Yeah. What what do you suppose are some of the things that would keep us from not provoking one another to love and sort of good works? What goes on in the Christians sometimes to just prevent those things from happening? Hmm. I would say, uh, I, 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 I said this a while ago, but I, I, I was probably totally wrong, but I was like, man, it must have been easier back then. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, like this day and age is like so much distraction, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have our phones, we have TVs, we mm-hmm. have just all this media bombarding us, radio, mm-hmm. uh, all this stuff bombarding us. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're distracted by all of that. We get sucked up into like our own lives and caught up into our own stuff. Like, oh, I gotta get this done. I gotta go. go I gotta go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta take the kids to whatever tomorrow. You know, and we just get caught up in all this stuff, mm-hmm. and we just don't set aside the time to really focus on what, at the end of the day, what really matters. We just get caught up in the busyness of life, and I, you know, everyone falls into that. And I think that's how, you know, we can easily get sort of. Um, Isolated, even even within a church of a hundred people, there could be tons of isolated people, even though they come every Sunday, because we're just so caught up in stuff. And even though we come every Sunday, it, and you know, but we don't really talk with anyone, or you know, just kind of hear the words, say hi, how you doing, to a few people, and leave. And you know, n- not not too many effective things are being done that that should be taking place within the body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I think just getting caught up with stuff. But I'm sure, you know, thousands of years ago, people were, uh, there's just different distractions that, yeah. that we don't realize now, you know. But yeah. I'm sure people were, like, wicked distracted back then, too. It's just, we don't, we Martha. don't really know how they were distracted. John, Martha, Martha, you are, you are anxious about so many things, and there are only a few things that matter. Yea, only one, and I will not take this away from you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. I think a lot of it is um, trust Ooh. that, um, yes, you're my sister in Christ, but mm. um, if I tell you this, this troubling problem that I'm having, how far is it going to go before you know it? Is it on the prayer list and everybody? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I, and I, and really too with this this thing, you know, even though our technology and and all that can be a hindrance and be a thing to negatively affect us, we can use it for the positive at the same time. Like kind of like you were saying, all it takes is to actually stop, you know, being busy with with things that won't matter or whatever, and be like, oh, I'm going to text Pat real quick. I was just thinking of him. We were talking the other day. All it takes is 30 seconds, and you can hit Pat right in the phone. He's going to get a notification, and boom, he's going to know right that second you were thinking of him. And like, so we can take advantage of, th- of those things, not be bogged down by the business like oh let me check my tweet so did someone retweet my tweet or you know it, you know it's like instead of doing that we could be you know using the technology for other things you know so even though it, it can be a negative thing we can use it for the positive and so i think we just need to be more mindful of things like that and not just kind of be on auto autopilot in a sense and just be, and you know, I, I disagree with my sister too. I, I, I don't think she's on the lower level at all. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I think something similar to not trusting is not wanting to pry into other people's lives. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's like you were, when I was brought up, it was like you keep your problems in the house. You don't, mm. you don't tell anybody. Mm. I think a lot of people feel the same way. And you know, for me to go up and say, "Hey, how's such and such or whatever," you know, I feel like you're prying for me. Yeah, I, I think that could be sort of like a regional, I wouldn't say cultural, because it's not like that, like that across the whole country, but in New England in particular, I've had, you know, friends that have moved from outside of New England into New England, and they're like, man, you guys are weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no one says anything to anybody, you, you know, you, 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 you stay to yourselves, you're not like, you know, friendly, or like, I remember when I went down to Charlotte in uh, North Carolina, it's like, I don't know, seven years ago, I went to a technology conference. I was giving a talk down there, and we're walking down the street, and I can't tell you how many times people are like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm like, "Me?" You know, like, you know, like, are, are you talking? You don't even know me. What are you saying hi to me for? Like, I, just, I thought that I couldn't believe that. Like, who, and up in New England, no one's gonna do that. You're gonna walk down the street and pass however many people, and no one's gonna say anything to anyone. And so it could be like a a regional thing too, where. You know, it's just harder for us to maybe to open up to people. I mean, maybe it is trust too. I mean, you know, it, it's it's mm. y- you know, when you're talking to someone, you're gonna be like, oh, what, what are they gonna think of me? You know, I can't believe I'm having this kind of problem or issue, or you know, and uh, if they tell so and so, are they gonna tell so and so? And oh man, everyone's gonna know, you know, this and and so they just. But we we don't realize once we start opening up, then everyone else is like, I I struggle with that too, you know, me too. And, and and oh I, I and then just the floodgates open. I have problems with this. I have problems, you know, and then all it takes is that one person to kind of open up, and then everyone else realizes like, hey, it's it's a it's a safe place. Well, we all love each other. We all have issues and problems and struggles, and we all need help. We all need to be edified. We all need kind of that maybe that moment of of love, whether it's a hug or a handshake or an encouraging word. Like we, we all need that, even though we have the word. We have the word to encourage us. We have the, you know, coming back to this faith and hope. We have this confidence, this full assurance. Even we have all those things. And, and yes, the, the word is a living, active sword. It's a two-edged sword. It can cut through bone and marrow and spirit. But we still need maybe that, that physical, human interaction at the same time to encourage us and love us. And, and that's why God designed the church the way he did, to come together as a body, to be living stones. And we all are our own unique piece of the new temple. And we all have our own purpose, and, and and we all have our own way to serve within the body, locally and globally. Mm-hmm. Oh. Let's see. We're going to stir up each other and love. Oh, wait. Yeah, I had a good... 
We'll bring, bring up the best in each other. John, this is going to be really necessary for next week, too, because of the harsh words that uh, comes next after this, that we understand the certainty of our faith mm. and the necessity of drawing uh, towards one another in that encouragement and that faith and hope and love. Yeah. Uh, because it's going to say some pretty harsh words next week. Absolutely. I think, too, John, in some ways, in our society and um, and that when we look at the way people used to live and actually not that long ago most of their time was spent basically in a survival mode mm. and if they worked really to eat um, and, and to have a roof over their heads and that is kind of somewhat dwindled down and if people nowadays are in search of in a way entertainment right. filling our minds and our time with other things besides survival. Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Like instead of, you know, chasing down that rabbit or whatever, we pull up to a window and say, hey, I'd like a burger. And they hit, you know, in three minutes, you pull up to another window, you pay for it, and boom, you have food, you know? It's, uh, when it talks about, and coming back around to, you know, stirring up one another with love, that, that word stir up, it means to, to put in motion or to agitate. Mm. To, 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 even though it sounds like a negative, it's, it can be used positive to agitate someone, to encourage someone to to maybe you know continue with a gift they may or may not realize they had, or you know to agitate them with love to let them know they'll get through whatever it is they're going through. That you know we'll pray with you and 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 be there for you. And so yeah, to put in motion or to agitate. I thought that was interesting. That's a, a very active um, active words there. Um. Sorry, I like jumped way ahead of my notes. I'm trying to catch up now. <laughs> John, I was thinking um, this verse has really helped, um, or at least, sorry, being part of small group has really helped live out this verse better personally. Um, just given the opportunity and kind of the environment where this can happen more easily. Yeah, when it's maybe just a group of, you know, three, four, five, seven, eight word people or whatever, yeah. it's definitely a little more comfortable, a little more intimate. You know, it, it, yeah, it's definitely a better way to sort of connect on that level for sure. Um, I think at the end of verse 20, can someone read verse 25 of chapter 10, verse 25? Mm-hmm. Not As we see the day drawing near, I think it was in the version I had. Mm-hmm. What day is that that's drawing near? Amen. So, continue to encourage and love one another as the day draws near, as Christ comes back. Um, and I was saying, uh, I was just reiterating something here. When we put Christ's people in a room, we should be bringing out the best in all of us. You know, we should be focusing on those positive things. Even if uh, it feels like we have to look for something positive, we should be trying to find those positive things instead of easily going after those negative things. We should be... We should leave more faithful... We should leave more faithful than we were when, than what we were when we came to church that day. So we should be even more faithful as we leave today. 
and uh, the rest of my notes got cut off, and I really don't remember where else I went from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything else anyone wants to to add into comments, criticisms, critiques? Would you uh, agree with this statement, John? The less time a Christian spends with the body, their struggles will be greater in the body. Mm. Yeah, that it? makes sense. Yeah, because the more you get isolated, the less you want to talk. The, you know, the less. You know, so the more you kind of be on your own, the the harder it is to kind of break out of that, and then then you feel even more. Um, what the word is I'm looking for? Um, yeah, well, I said, but you feel inadequate, maybe. Like you just feel like, oh, no one else is like me. No one else struggles with something like this, or no one else has problems like mine, and I don't want to bother anyone. You know, that's the other thing too. Is like we don't want to bother anyone with our kind of, you know, things we might be struggling with or issues or we're like, ah, they, they have their own stuff they have to worry about. I'll just just work it out between, you know, me and God or whatever. No, you know, everyone else has stuff they're struggling with. No one wants to hear about my stuff. So it's easy to kind of, you know, keep yourself, it's almost like a self, uh, self-imposed self isolation in a sense in that way, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, and like a, the devil seeks around like a roaring lion for whom he can devour. And like I think Seth might have said, uh, talk about how you know the devil attacks the the, slow, the the one that's left back in the pack. That you know, and so that's why we need to stay connected and, and uh, uh, unified as one. John, one other point too. You know, the Book of Hebrews is addressed to the Hebrews, so particularly Jews that had come to faith in Christ. So there would obviously be a separation mm. from fellow Jews mm. who did not trust Christ as their Savior, didn't believe he was the Messiah, wouldn't wouldn't have him to reign over them, so to speak. That had to cause a big fact, a fracture among the Jews. Mm. And so it would have been all the more imperative that believing Jews congregate with one another, that they unify, that they commune with each other to build each other up so that they could be secured more firmly in their conviction that they were going outside the camp to bear the reproach mm. for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm. Yeah, it's true because if they kind of went back to their, you know, their friends once they, you know, confessed Christ and they were publicly, you know, baptized and things like that. If they were hanging out with kind of their old friends, you know, they'd, they'd probably be like, "Man, I can't believe you did that. Seriously, you, you think Christ was the Messiah?" And so they're going to hear all this negative stuff. But if they stay plugged in with, you know, the, the new converts, the new believers, they're there to encourage one another and not feed any negativity into that into that situation, and, and be positive with everything, and loving and caring. How about your own personal struggle, John, in relationship to being a blind guy? And uh, it's not easy for you to come to church and to, to do the things within the body. Um, how important has that been to you? And uh, you're certainly a great example of... I've seen healthier people neglect church and the ministry of the church uh, uh, a, a lot worse than you know a guy like you, as you could say the natural excuses. Mm. How important has that been for you, John, the body life? Very. I mean, it's you know, it's awesome that we do have loving people here. I mean, Sandy and Mark have faithfully been bringing me and my kids here for well over a year, and it's just if without them, I I don't even I, I there's no way I was going to go to a church anywhere near me if I could have walked because they're just all I, I looked at every possible church and none of them 
were satisfactory. And so if it weren't for them bringing me here, I don't. I really don't know what I would be doing right now. I'd, I'd probably be isolated, listening to all kinds of sermons online and stuff, but we wouldn't have been going to any kind of local church. Um, you know, and, and with regards to, to, like, serving and overcoming, you know, obstacles that I have, I mean, everyone, in a sense, has their own kind of disability. I mean, mine's a little more obvious than others. But, I mean, people have struggled with depression. People struggle with maybe phobias of being in large groups of people or, you know, there, there's all kinds of things people have to overcome whether we see it or not. Um, I, but I think the point is is to just overcome. You know, we, we were built and made to overcome obstacles and, and situations, and especially through the finishing work of Christ, and we just can't let these things get in our way and kind of be excuses. And I hope that with me trying to do, you know, what I can do within the realm of, of what I'm either capable of doing or whatever situation comes my way that I can give God glory with approaching my life and just doing what I can do and how I I might have to do things different ways or very different ways than someone else but I try to do everything I can do within you know my my, uh, my talents or abilities mm-hmm. and so and I just don't let being blind get in the way because mm-hmm. especially this day and age with technology I mean this computer talks to me. I can do anything a sighted person can do, you know, with a computer, short of you know editing a video. <laughs> so you know, so I I, I I just take advantage of every possible thing I can to be you know a, a productive person. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And so, yeah, so like I said, we just have those three things in, the, in, the, in these verses that we looked over. Faith, hope, and love. Draw near, come with the confidence of bully with the faith, entering into the Holy of Holies, hanging on to the hope that we have in Christ, the finishing work that's a now, not yet sort of life that we're living right now. We're waiting for His return. And as we're waiting, we love one another, encourage one another, edify one another, pray with one another, and lift up one another and those who are last in the kingdom will be first. So we're to just serve one another. And if we're... See, that's the thing about serving and, and, and getting whoever's last will be first. It makes so much sense when you think about it because if we're busy serving one another and we're not worrying about ourselves, whoever the other servers are around us will meet the needs that we need while we're serving one, someone else someone else will be serving us. Mm-hmm. And so, if we can look at it that way, everyone's needs will be taken care of as long as you're... As, your needs will be taken care of as long as you're meeting someone else's needs. Mm-hmm. You know? And so... So, was the ladies' meetings encouraging yesterday? Uh, Sister Susie or Darlene or Maureen, I don't think you were around. So, you didn't know about it. Was that a wedding? Oh. It was. It was. As Ken would say, phenomenal but he was much more dignified. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. I met more ladies than I have ever before. Loving, friendly, gracious, uh, opening up. It was, I hope we do it again soon. Mm. And, oh, and, and the teaching was on on raising your hands when you pray. I never knew that, why we did that. And 
I like that the uh, lesson or whatever you wanted to call it came straight from the Bible and not some self-help book or something. Mm. You know, it, was, it was wonderful. Okay, so it's you, Jay. I was going to say, I think Darlene said it. <laughs> But how do you encourage people that uh, are not encourageable? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, oh, I just learned that. <laughs> All right, I might get this wrong, okay? So have patience with me. <laughs> Keep cold, hot coals on their head. Okay. I, I just had that explained to me. And it... And it still doesn't make any sense. I was going to ask Todd later this week. <laughs> 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 and all I can think of is you know, banking the coals. I know what banking the coals means, but I don't understand when somebody is being ugly to you, if you throw hot coals on their head, how that's going to soften their attitude or their thinking or just in, in general. You know, I think I was talking with Eve over that too. I remember that. Yeah, about the lady at school. Anyways, I don't figure I can't figure out what it means, but I'm gonna try it as soon as I figure out what it means. I'll bring you some coals. But it's not the same thing. I think encouraging someone that's unencourageable, I, I think it's more it's not, like, it's not like what we witness. We, we're, to, we're to share the gospel or to, to spread the gospel and, and, and share, you know, to, to, be, to, to give an account of the hope that lies within us at any point. So it's not, unto, it's not up to us to make sure the person's, you know, saved or regenerated when we give the gospel, but it's up to us to deliver the message. Like, we're not the one who saves. We're not the one that does the converting or regeneration. We're the one that just deliver the message. So I think it's the same thing with encouraging. You know, as long as you send that text message, call that person, talk to them, whatever, you, you sort of did your part. Now the ball's kind of in their court. What are they, how are they going to react to, you know, how you interacted with them? So it's sort of up to them. But, but I think it, it's important to at least be doing the encouraging and, and who knows, it might take a hundred, a thousand encouragements for someone to snap out of something, but I guess the point is to kind of keep, keep on yeah, on. keep on keeping on, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, and to not be discouraged, you know, with, with someone that seems to be unencourageable. And if the, in the first century, the, the second coming of Christ was imminent to them, I mean, they, they were encouraging one another in light of the fact of Christ's second coming. Mm. He that shall come will come and will not tarry. It'll say that later in the chapter. And there's other references in the book of Hebrews uh, when he appears a second time without sin unto salvation, chapter 9, verse 28, etc. Um, how, how much more should we be anticipating the second coming who are 2,000 years closer mm. to that coming than were, were the first century Christians who had been given that hope of a soon coming quickly of Jesus. As Revelation says, mm-hmm. even so come Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was a prominent <coughs> reality mm. in the first century. And I think somehow it has fallen out of our 
vocabulary, mm. and we don't place a much emphasis on that. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder too, again, if it's the whole sort of distraction thing that we have. Again, I'm sure they had distractions back then too, but, you know, again, just us being so so busy, you know, again, with work and bringing kids to sports and, you know, meeting after work or, you know, uh, social media, television, you know, again, just, just being so bombarded with all this stuff to do. It's, I think it's, the devil knows, I think, that we can lose focus easily and quickly even God knows that. that's why he told Israel hey I want you to to build an Ebenezer after you cross the river you need to remember what I did for you because you're you know he didn't say this but it's like because you're going to forget <laughs> you know you, you need to be reminded because you're, you're, you're going to pass down these stories of me parting the Red Sea and then it's just it's, it's not going to matter you know 20, 40, 60, 100 years from now you're just going to you'll remember but it's just not going to mean as much and so we, we need to just be you know, have be uh, steadfast. I love that kind of terminology the Bible uses. Steadfast, meaning when a boat charts its course, it stays on its course. It stays steadfast. It charts its course and doesn't move to the left or to the right. It stays on course and gets to its destination. And that's kind of what we have to do: is stay steadfast and just focus on that hope and not be distracted with all these things around us. Hmm. I think we still have like 10 more minutes. I don't know if anyone has any other... It's uh, 20 after, John. Okay. So I'm just wondering if the, the unity that the Jews would have had uh, would have, prior to, to the great salvation that came in Christ, I wonder how that unity would compare, or how would you compare it, or contrast it probably would be a better word, to the communion of the saints, the fellowship of the believers. Uh, the way the Bible describes us, we've been called out of darkness, called unto the fellowship of His dear Son. Mm. So the unity that we would have with one another would have been far exceeding that which a Jew would have had with a fellow Jew, mm. even though they had committed to, the, had to them committed, you know, all the oracles of God, the covenants, the promises, etc., which could have cert- which would certainly have been a big unifying factor, but I think for the church, the New Testament church, we're all installed with the Holy Spirit, mm. and, and the communion that we have with one another is a tremendously strong bond that's uh, almost indescribable. I mean, yeah, because I mean we're brothers and sisters. Jesus is our brother. I think Ephesians says we're heirs to the throne. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we definitely have a, a much stronger bond than uh, a Jew in those days, where it's like, you know, maybe all the Jews from Judah or Levi or, or whatever, you know, maybe all the, with all the tribes that are tight, but maybe the, Ju- the people from Judah didn't talk to people from Benjamin and vice versa. It could have been a big mess, but you know, but but we're we're much different from that. Like I said, we we're, we all have that same spirit within us. We've all been bought by the same blood. We all have the same Savior. We all have the same Father. We're all in the same family. So it is definitely a much a much tighter uh, relationship than uh, you know before the new covenant for sure. Uh, hey, hey John, um, one one thing that I um, you know uh, found in, in churches that, and I'm only going to bring this up because Pat told me what he's preaching on today, is that you know there's um, 
and it's it's about abortion. And mm. there's there's when you think that there's 60 million uh, abortions that have been uh, performed in in our country since '73, there's there's so much guilt here, and there's so much you know regret. Mm. And what happens is, uh, you know, the churches refuse to talk about it, mm-hmm. and they so it's like this. It's just like um, what's that analogy? The elephant in the room. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think yeah. That that people, you know, there's there's so many people that have been hurt, and when the church opens up and begins talking about it, you begin, you know, because Jane and I have found this out that, like, when it starts being talked about in the church, all of a sudden women will start coming up to Jane and, and talking about it and, mm. and looking for forgiveness, and or you know they've they've held it in for so many years. Mm. And, uh, it's, it's such a freeing thing, and it's it's just a shame that churches, you know, uh, don't want to talk about it because they think it's too controversial. Right. Yeah. And it's anything. It's just it's a sin like that's that's keeping people in bondage. And so I'm just so encouraged that we, you know, it's going to be funny when we talk. Tell you how we ended up coming up today. <laughs> because you two have been involved in, in pro-life ministry, correct? I mean, you've been at the clinics, you've been out there holding signs and trying to help out. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. Amen. All right. Any volunteers to close in prayer? I'm looking at you, Pastor Gary. <laughs> what makes you think I'm here? <laughs> All right. Father, thank you for the encouragement that we had this morning by the Word. Thank you for Brother John and his preparation and his presentation and. Help us, O oh Lord, to all take us to heart and realize, uh, Lord, that you have called us into this communion, uh, taking us out of the darkness of sin and bringing us, O oh Lord, from a place where we had no communion with you. We had no access, Lord, unto yourself. But, Lord, now through Christ, a new and living way has been provided so that we can enter into the holiest of all as a priest of the believers and that, Lord, we can encourage one another as we look for a merciful and great high priest who is interceding for us now and we will soon come again and will take us home to be with him throughout the countless ages of eternity. Now, Lord, we pray that you would bless our coming together upstairs, Lord. May our worship be pleasing to you and glorifying to you. May our hearts be encouraged and may our minds be enlarged, Lord, as we uh, contemplate what will be presented this morning. So, Lord, hear our cry. Draw near to us, we pray, in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Hey, no, thank you. Good work, man. Thank you.